Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, Lord, we look to you even as the servant looks to the hand of his master, and we say, have your way. Let your hand be active in this room today. Hallelujah. Let us see your heart and feel your desire for your people. Let the anointing break every yoke. Every generational curse is broken. Every generational spirit is dismissed. Have your way among us today. Speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name. One more time before you sit down. I know you've been clapping a lot. But let's give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one more big praise. Tell your neighbor it's on in the building right now. And then you may be seated. Prince of Peace. Peace is an interesting word. It literally means a stress-free state of security and calmness. Now, you do not want to forget that. A stress-free state of security and calmness. As we leave this building today after we have preached prophetically in this house, you're going to go home to a house of peace. As a matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is already rearranging some things in your life. Even as we were worshiping today, the Holy Spirit was working in your favor. Somebody shout, my best is yet to come. My best is yet to come. I'm going to give you that definition one more time for the sake of context. Here it is, peace. A stress-free state of security and calmness. Isaiah is that prophet in Scripture that had the luxury of seeing the spectrum of the Messiah's life. He's the only prophet of the Old Testament that sees Christ both being born and being crucified. In chapter 9, he sees his birth. In chapter 53, he sees his crucifixion. When he introduces us to him in chapter 9, he begins his dialogue in the ninth chapter by talking about two domains. One is light and one is darkness. He talks about the people that have walked in darkness, gross darkness, have seen a great light, denoting the idea that both domains have a gravitational pull to them, that every day of our life we are either being pulled toward darkness or we are being pulled toward light. Hmm. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. It's interesting to me that Jesus has always been referenced as illumination. He's always been referenced as revelation or light. Today you're going to walk out of darkness. And when I say darkness, I mean ignorance. I didn't say stupidity. The root word of ignorance is to ignore. Many people walk in darkness throughout their destiny simply because they ignore the calling of Christ on their life. But somebody's going to make the transition today. So when he says his name shall be called, he begins to list certain offices. Name literally means a word by which a person is known or a name that describes a person. To name is to appoint to an office, to appoint to a career, to appoint to a destiny. That's what we did with this baby today. We appointed him to his assignment. God is good. 
So the prophet Isaiah, he does not know his name. He knows his naming. His name shall be called. So when you say his name, this is the offices he will occupy. He will occupy the office of a wonderful counselor. He will occupy the office of the everlasting father, the mighty God, and the prince of peace. So when you say wonderful counselor, you'll think of Jesus. When you say Jesus, you'll think wonderful counselor. When you say mighty God, you think of Jesus. And when you say Jesus, you think mighty God. When you say everlasting father, you think of Jesus. And when you say Jesus, you think he's an everlasting father. Talk back to me. When you say prince of peace, you think Jesus. And when you say Jesus, you think prince of peace. See, when you talk about the wonderful counselor, you are discussing, you are discussing the mind of God in relation to his strategy for the earth. When you talk about the might of God, you are talking about his hand involved in his own plan. When you talk about the everlasting father, you're talking about the heart of God that is engaged in your purpose. And when you talk about the prince of peace, you are talking about the atmosphere of God that he provides for all of his people. I wrote this this morning. Because Jesus Christ is wonderful, he takes care of the dullness of life. Mm. Because he is the counselor, he handles the decisions of life. Because he is the mighty God, he enables you to meet the demands of life. And because he's the everlasting father, he provides new dimensions for your life. The prince of peace gives divine demonstration in your life. Somebody shout three words, Prince of Peace. Now forgive me if I start preaching today because I thought I would be very calm, cool, and collected. Because last week I got a little winded preaching because of circumstances we had to deal with recently. But I feel my help this morning. I feel a comeback. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, is very important. Watch what it says. And he began again to teach. He'll teach as long as it takes for you to learn. And he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude. So that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Then he starts teaching. And he teaches that the kingdom of God is like a man, don't miss this here, who sows seed. In the same chapter, he teaches on the potential of mustard seed faith. In the same chapter, he teaches on the power of seed in right soil. So in Mark chapter 4, he dedicates a whole dialogue to a little bitty biological thing called seed. Think of that. And he says, if you have faith as small as the grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. Whew. Seed is very important. He says some seed fell where birds came and ate it up. When I was thinking about that, I thought that's the lack of respect or the mishandling of the word of God. 
See, the word will go forth today. Some people will handle it. Other people will mishandle it. He says some seed fell along the path. And it sprung up overnight and then it was gone. This is the lack of respect for the soil and allowing seed to fall on hard ground. See, the difference in those who will receive the seed today and those that will not is those that have handled the soil right. There's a difference in fertile soil and futile soil. Fertile soil belongs to the individual that has taken the time to pray because when you pray, you plow. And when you plow, you break up fallow ground. And when you break up fallow ground, you're ready to receive the word. (laughs) Some fell in rocky places. Some fell among thorns. Watch this. Which choked the plant. And they were not able to bear fruit. And then finally, some fell on good ground. As I was reading this this morning, I saw stuff I've never seen. At about 4.15, Revelation started hitting me. I had to stand up at my desk, lift my hands and say, Father, I thank you that you're still speaking. You can read something a hundred times and read it one more time and see stuff you've never seen. That's called Revelation. They turned the light on. And I wrote this that it amazes me how life can be so wonderful, life can be so peaceful, and one seed thought can change wonder to worry and can change peace to panic. One what? Seed thought can change wonder to worry and peace to panic. Be careful who you allow to plant in your garden. Yeah. You are responsible for the soil of your soul. Hmm. He says, the seed that fell among thorns were choked. Actually, in the Greek, The word thorns means to choke out. The word worry is derived from a word that means to strangle or to choke. To strangle or to choke. To worry. And I thought of something here now. If that's true, then word and worry cannot live in the same house. If word and worry are trying to get in the same house, there is war. One always wins. The one that wins is the one that you allow. <laughs> Matthew 13, 22 says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. Worry to strangle When I was considering the power of peace, I remember sitting in a doctor's office about eight years ago, and the doctor looking at me and saying, he was a a heart doctor, and he said, Mr. Hawkins, I've got a few things I need to tell you. First of all, you need to eat better. I said, you ain't nothing but the devil. And I knew he was right. He wasn't the devil. He was actually speaking the oracles of God to me. (laughs) Then he said, the second thing I need to tell you is that you must eliminate all stress from your life. I said, sir, do you know what I do? He said, I know you're a pastor. He said, but I'm telling you that stress will kill you as fast as a bad diet. 
And he says, so matter, no matter what it takes for you to eliminate stress, if that means changing jobs or whatever it takes, get stress out of your life. Have you ever practiced yoga? That's what he asked me. I said, sir, do I look like? I eat yogurt. I do not practice yoga. He said, whatever it takes for you to find peace, you need to do that. And this whole time I'm thinking, I've been trying to find peace. How many of you know we pay for peace? We go on vacations to get away from everything. People meditate. People pay psychics to try to bring peace into their life. And I'm thinking about myself. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I prayed. And then I met my wife. And it's like God showed me this is what peace looks like. I said, peace is that fine? is that fine peace got a way to walk got a way to talk and of all the people I've ever met in my life I've never met anyone as peaceful as my wife even when she starts to get disturbed she starts laughing we've tried to argue before and she starts laughing And I'm like, girl, this is serious business. And she's like, Ricky, it's going to be okay. And I'm telling her, I'm the elder. I'm reminded of the young man that was carrying a round bell of hay on a wagon. Passed by this gentleman's house. And right when he got to the the driveway up to the gentleman's house, the wagon fell over and the hay fell out. And the man walked out of his house and saw the young boy fretting. And he said, son, it looked like your wagon turned over and you lost all your hay. He said, I did. He said, are you okay? And he said, no, my dad is going to be very disturbed and I'm losing my peace. He said, son, listen, come on in the house. And what we're going to do is we're going to eat some lunch. And after we eat lunch, we're going to come back out here. And I'm going to help you get that hay back on that wagon. And everything's going to be fine. He said, no, you don't understand. My father is going to be mad. And I have lost my peace. He said, son, I'm going to tell you one more time. Come on in the house and get this sandwich. We're going to drink some sweet tea. We're going to come back. We're going to put the hay on the wagon, and everything's going to be fine. The boy said, okay. So he goes in. They sit down. Big ham sandwich with sliced tomatoes and cold lettuce and mayonnaise and salt and pepper. Y'all want me to keep going? And he ate the sandwich, and he looked at the man. He said, man, that was a great sandwich. He said, don't you feel better? He said, sir, I'm telling you. My father's going to be mad, and I have lost my peace. He said, let's go put the, wet, the, the hay on the wagon, son. They go out there. And he said, why are you fretting so much, son? Why have you lost your peace? And the boy looked at him and said, daddy is under the wagon. What's funny about that? That's not in my notes. And I read that story three weeks ago and it just came back to me. And when I read it, I thought, man, that's the funniest thing. I can't wait to tell our church. And I told you, and you didn't react like I reacted. Hope your wagon falls over and your hay falls out. <laughs> so the boy is stressed out. Stress is a horrible thing to deal with. Worry. 
is a horrible thing to deal with. It literally means when it says choke the word to strangle or to suffocate, but it also means to stifle by drowning with overgrowth. In other words, once worry sets in, it just keeps multiplying until it suffocates the word out of your life. It strangles the word out of your life. Today, we are here to remove worry from you. We are living in the most crazy year we have ever seen, and I promise you, anxiety levels, even in this building today, are at levels they've never been in many of our lives. Pastors are closing down churches because they don't know if their people will ever come back. People are worried about their jobs. Small businesses are closing down. This is an anxious year. This year is filled with panic. And as the people of God, we must show this world what peace really looks like. When I'm reading this about these thorns, in Matthew 13, 7, the Bible says this, the thorns sprung up, which means the thorns grew quicker than the word the seed grew. Did you hear what I said? The thorns showed up quicker than the word was made manifest. When I saw that, I thought to myself, the seeds of the thorns were already in the soil. They had not been dealt with. Many of you are trying to get a word from God, but you haven't removed the thorns from your soil. And you can't mingle seed. Either you are a word person or you are a worrying person. Come on in this building, talk back to me. And some of us need to get back in our gardens and pull the thorns out. Before you come to the house of God, be sure your ground is clear. So when you get in the sanctuary, you can receive the seed of what the apostle Peter calls the incorruptible word of God. Are y'all in the building today? So what's in the soil that is not of God must be uprooted for you to receive the seed of the word of God. The Bible says if you don't deal with the thorns, you become unfruitful, which means barren, without production, or always losing what you're trying to produce. Man, when you try to mix worry and word, you will always lose what you're trying to produce in your life. Today, we're going to cast our cares on him. Because he cares for us. You know what's going to happen in this building today? Anxiety attacks are going to stop today. Panic disorders are going to leave today. Worrying and staying up all night. You're going to sleep in peace tonight because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I need 30 sanctified people to give God praise real quick before we finish this word. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, praise his name. Come on, praise your name, Jesus. Man, I'm sorry. I, I feel a Holy Ghost up in this place here. Watch this now. Let's get in this word. In Mark chapter 4, that was all introduction. Let me preach the message to you. Verse 35 of Mark chapter 4 says, The same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Mark 35, 435, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose not a storm, a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say, Master, do you not care that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Everyone say the same day. Hmm. The same day that he took all this time to talk about the power and potential of seed. It's the close of the day. 
even was come. The sun is going down. And he said, let us go to the other side. At the close of the day, he will always give his disciples direction. Many believe when the Bible says the same day, that it was the self-same day, that he fed 5,000 people, not counting women and children, that he delivered a man that was in the, in the graves, naked, cutting himself, that was demon-possessed. Somebody say, all in a day's work. He had fed the 5,000. They had picked up the fragments and got on the boat. That's one day in the life of Christ. One day in the life of Christ, he feeds 5,000 people, not counting women and children. He delivers a man from a legion of demons. He teaches a whole message on seed. He tells his disciples, pick up the fragments, and then they get on the boat to go to the other side, and it's all in one day. That's strong, y'all. Now watch what he says in verse 36. That's right, all in a day's work. One day. Verse 36, and when they had sent the multitude away, everyone say the dismissal. He dismisses distractors. Everybody can't go where you're going. Now don't miss that because everybody says that. But they don't give any content up behind it. We just all say, you can't go where I'm going. Like, we real spiritual. You, you can't go where I'm going. It goes like this. Everybody can't hear what you're hearing. That's the truth. Our peace is most often disturbed by people, not problems. I came by to tell you something. Stop being mad about who God dismisses from your life. Why are you mad because they left when God told them to leave? Because you liked them and God knew they wouldn't be good for you. So God dismissed them from you and you fighting to keep them. If it's that hard to, for you to have to fight to keep a friendship, you don't have a friendship. If it's that hard to fight to keep people in the congregation, they're not in the congregation. There's a difference in being among us and of us. They were among you, but they were not of you. And you need to be real cool that they are in other churches doing great. That's a beautiful thing. Because when God dismisses distractors from your life, it doesn't mean they're going to hell. Preach in the building, Pastor Rick. The multitude could not handle what they were about to face. It's not that people can't handle your future. It's that people can't handle what you will have to fight to get to your future. I'm going to say it again. Some people, it's not that they can't handle your future. It's the fact that they can't handle the fight that you're going to have to go through to get to your future. Because your struggle is going to confuse them. So before God allows them to be confused, he will remove them from your life. Doesn't mean you're not going to get there. You're just not going to get there with them. Preach up in this house, Pastor Rick. Everybody can't handle the details of your destiny. Did you hear that? Everyone cannot handle the details of your destiny. They love the dialogue of your destiny. But the details is a little different. Truth be told, many of us in this building today didn't know the details of our destiny. We discovered them. And if it wasn't you that was going through it, you would have dismissed yourself from your own destiny. When God gives us direction, oftentimes he does not tell us of the detours. When he gives us directions, oftentimes he does not inform us of the delays. He does not warn us of the distractions that will face us. He just says, go to the other side. 
Let me give you a word. Here's your seed. Let us go to the other side. As soon as he gives that word, the dilemma takes place. The practice and pattern of God is this, Gino. He starts with the end, and he backs it up and gives it a beginning. He establishes the end. Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. It was over before it started. That's why you can say you've learned a lot of stuff, but you're confident in this one thing, that he who began the good work shall also complete it because it was completed before it started. Oh, I wish I had a church. Now, here's the thing about God. He gives it an end, backs up, starts with the beginning, and doesn't tell you what's between beginning and end. He just said, you're going to make it. Woo! We know where we're going, but we don't know what we're going to face getting there. Some of y'all act like you ain't never been through hell in your life. I mean anything in your life. Some of us understand. You look back over your life and you think, man, that storm right there should have took me out. That situation right there should have killed me. But look at you. Look at you. Tell your neighbor, look at me. I'm still here, clothed and in my right mind, knowing that my best is yet to come. I done been through what the old saints used to say. Dangers, seen and unseen. We have been through some stuff in our life. Somebody shout, but we're still here. Why? Because you've got more to do. You've got more to enjoy. Shout it again. My best really is just yet to come. So he says, let us pass to the other side. Read it in the Greek. He says to them, let us walk through this thing together. Let us get over. When I saw that, I thought, you know what? There's stuff we need to get over. Get over disappointment. Get over setbacks. Get over disagreements. Get over people. Get over crazy. Somebody shout, get over it. Some of y'all are holding on to past events, past experiences, past encounters. You won't let it go. This hurt me. You hurt me right there. And you can't get any further because you won't let go of what happened in the past. Get over it. If you want to get to the place God has ordained you to enjoy, you're going to have to learn to get over stuff. I'll finish. So guess where Jesus sends them with a the seed right into the storm? He would not send you into a storm without a seed. He tells all these parables about seed being the word. Then he steps on the boat, pastor, looks at the disciples and says, here's your seed. Let us go to the other side. I'm going to sleep. And sends them right into the storm. You're going to tell me. That he's the almighty God, everlasting father, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, and he don't know the storms in the lake. He's omniscient and omnipresent, and he don't know they're about to hit a storm. He knew exactly what he was doing. He pointed that boat directly toward that storm. The storm was in the middle of the lake. He could have told them to go around the bank. They would have never seen the storm. Some of you are wondering why you're in the storm you are in, and I'm here to tell you shockingly to your mind, God sent you right into the middle of that storm. Why? Not because of you, but because of his seed that he imparted to you when he said, you're going to get there. The Bible says the wind began to blow. Read it in the Greek. Do the proper etymology. The wind began to breathe. Not blow. Something was going. It literally means to be contrary. One gospel writer says the winds were contrary to them. The word contrary is the root word for contradiction. Diction is words. Contra is against. It's words that are breathed against you. It's wind that is contrary to your destination. 
Some of you are feeling an unbelievable amount of wind coming at you right now. That's not a sign you're heading in the wrong direction. It's a sign that you're going perfectly through what God has sent you. Contradiction. When you feel things that are contrary to your movement, know that you must be going in the right direction. The storm, listen to me now, the storm never arose until they acted on the word. It wasn't their disobedience that caused the storm. It was their obedience. When they obeyed the word, the storm got up. Jesus knew the storm would get up the moment they they operated on obedience. The moment you say yes to God, everything that can stop you will rise up. The moment you say yes to his will, yes to his plan, everything that can stop you will rise up and say, I'm going to give you every reason to turn that boat around. I'm going to give you every reason to jump out that boat. But somebody got to say in the midst of the storm, I'm going to hold on to the seed of the word of God that he has given me. And nothing by any means is going to stop me from getting to the other side. Somebody shout, we're going to get to the other side. Mm. The sound of the storm didn't wake him up. The waves didn't wake him up. The wind didn't wake him up. What woke him up? The disciples woke him up. The moment he heard his boys say, Lord, do you care? got up when you're going through the storm please know who to talk to if they would have been complaining to each other he'd have kept on sleeping can you hear them in the storm saying what the baloney is going on here what's happening here why why are we in this storm can you hear them i can hear them and i don't think thomas had nice things to say and we know peter was cussing And they're saying, what is going on? And Jesus is just out. And the moment they said, Lord, he got up. Notice this. When he rebuked, he rebuked not the waves. Some of y'all are wanting him to deal with the symptoms of your life. We don't want water in our boat. We don't want trouble in our life. Lord, take the trouble away. But you won't deal with the root. The root wasn't the waves. The root was the wind. That's why he spoke to the wind before he spoke to the waves. Until you let him deal with the core of your problem, he can't deal with the symptoms of your problem. The symptoms will leave when the core leaves. So he spoke to the wind, and when the wind stopped, the waves became still. And what word did he use? Peace. The moment he said peace, the wind died down. And the waves got real still. Why? Because Isaiah says he's the prince of peace, which means authority in a principality. So that when he says peace in any region, stuff got to be still. And security has to return. And calmness has to be returned to its proper position. You know what I heard the Lord saying this morning? People, listen, I had the COVID. Some people, I don't tell nobody I had it. I didn't put it on my Facebook that I had COVID. Like they holy. I don't want nobody knowing my business. I do. I said, well, I told everybody, I got COVID. Put it on my Facebook. I'm making calls. I got COVID. Texting people, COVID in the house. I told everybody, I could tell. Well, now, Pastor, why did you do that? Because I know the power of prayer. And I know how many people in this nation couldn't wait to pray for Pastor Rick. So I was receiving my phone. I couldn't even keep up with the text, Vicky, and the comments and the inbox. And I was just loving it. I was just looking. I, look, I was just, that's right, that's right. You shall live and you shall not die. Faith is the substance of the Lord. I was reading everything. Why? Because I wanted some encouragement. Some of y'all privately suffer. Oh, I'm holy. I'm too, I'm too holy to let anybody know I'm going through anything. Poor you. Pitiful you. Anyway, what was my point? 
I know what it was. On the eighth night, I'm watching Michelle and Pat. They're going through the same time as us. We speak word, word. And I'm saying, God, I wish I had their faith. God, just give me their faith. Y'all think I'm kidding. I ain't playing. Because they act like they ain't, even, they ain't sweat, fever, nothing. I'm over here. Finally, on the eighth night, I thought, well, I'm just going to die. Is that real enough for you? I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to die. <laughs> Boy, it's quiet in this building. I wish I had all y'all faith. I said, I, I'm, I'm going to die. My mind took off at the speed of a jet of thoughts. Is that, do I have everything in order? Is River Ricky going to be okay? Is Giovanna going to be all right? Is the church set everything good? Y'all see what, where I'm going with this? And suddenly I thought, man, there's no peace in this room at all. All I could feel was tension. And all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, be calm. And a calmness hit my spirit and a settledness. And then I felt peace overwhelm me. And from that eighth day through the 16th day, I'm not going to say my faith was like theirs, but I'm going to say my peace was very strong because I had a confidence that I knew everything is going to be all right. Colossians tells us, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let is a voluntary action. That means you back up and watch God move in. Watch peace move in. Are y'all in the building right now? So if the Prince of Peace is really the Prince of Peace and he's the Lord of your life, problems cannot conquer peace. Ever. Somebody give him praise real quick. My Bible tells me he's not the author of confusion, but of peace. If he's not the author of confusion, then he is the author of peace. Just like he's the author of faith. He's the author of peace. Let him write it in today. Because some of you are panicking, not about COVID, but about your job. About the future. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have peace. We're going to have a state of security and calmness in our life. God is good, isn't he? Lift your hands, please. Father, do what only you can do. Remove the anxiety, the panic, and especially the worry. Remove worry from these people's lives. And let peace rule their hearts and their minds. Your word tells us that when our mind is stayed on you, that we are strong in that moment, that peace rules when our minds are stayed on you. So, Father, we lean on you today, and we lean on you for peace. And to all the people that are watching Quest Nation and Quest Church, we speak peace right to your home. Let peace reign in your life. Now watch this. When the Lord said, peace, be still. This is so interesting. Because here's what it means. Hush. When he spoke to the wind, he said hush. Because he knew it was breathing. Hush. Be silent. You know what I hear the Lord saying to all the stuff that's blowing against you today? Be quiet. Be silent. Those words that have been haunting and taunting you at night, you're not going to hear them at night tonight. You're not going to hear them this night. Amen. Them words that come in your mind when you lay in your bed, they're not coming back tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. He said, be still, which literally means to muzzle. He muzzled the storm. You know why? He rebuked it, which, which means to tax upon it. Because of the value, valuation of what it's blowing against. In other words, you're too costly for him to lose. 
when he put valuation on who was in the boat versus what was blowing against them, he taxed the storm. Some of you have felt taxed and worn out this year. But guess what? God is turning that thing around and he's going to start taxing the thing that's been blowing against you. In other words, he's going to drain it of its strength. Hallelujah. I called or text Jamie and Gino and I said, I want us to sing this song today and I don't know if you really have an appreciation for this song like I do, but Giovanna and I sing it around the house all the time because we are the world's two best singers. <laughs> Aren't we, baby? We are. And you know the story about the man that lost his son from that ship and he took a boat back out to the place where his son drowned. And he looked over the bow of that ship and he wrote the words to this song. What did he say, Jamie? When peace like a river That's right. I my way yes. When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever those hands everyone peace will always say it is well with my soul I remember when I was 27 years old preaching in Brazil 21 nights in the jungle Sleeping in a hammock outside. And we were meeting in an open air like a brush arbor. 5,000 people a night. 
They were walking for seven hours to get to the meeting in the jungle. Many of them would camp there. There was a camp that a bunch of ladies were staying in. And one night, in that campsite under those, those, that brush arbor, they started having a deliverance service. And it sounded like women that were being killed. It sounded like 600, 700 women screaming like there was a massacre. And I'm just rocking in my hammock. And the preacher that was with me said, are we going to listen to that screaming all night? And I said, I guess so. And like that, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, walk in there and say one word. I said, what is it, Lord? And he said, say peace as loud as you can. I said, Lord, certainly that will, they will not even hear me. I walked over with that preacher. We walked into that brush harbor, and they were just rolling everywhere and slithering on the ground and screaming out. It was over 500 females. And I put my hands to my mouth, and I screamed as loud as I could scream, peace. And when I did, that second was silence. And we sat there and watched them get up and go back to their little bunks and little beds. And it was just calm. Until you say peace. Until you acknowledge the situation by speaking different of what it is manifesting, you'll never see change. You have the power of the Word of God living inside of you. Do not let worry choke out the Word. Somebody shout peace right now. You know what this nation needs right now? We need it. From coast to coast, we need peace. And you need peace in your homes. If this was your word, would you just raise your hand real high, wave at me and let me know, Pastor Rick, I needed this word. Thank you. Now just lift that other hand. Lift your other hand. We're going to seal it. Father, the incorruptible seed went forth today. And I believe these people received this seed. And the word is going to take them through worry. It's going to take them through the storm. And they will arrive to the other side of this thing. We're going to get to the other side of this pandemic. We're going to get to the other side of this chaos. We're going to get to the other side of this storm. And we're going to do it because you have given us a word to get us through. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everyone shout praise the Lord. Come on, y'all. Give him praise today.